Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hello. It is episode 92. Whoa, we're a quarter there. You gotta explain this one to me, dude. I forgot to ask you before the show. I'm like, what the heck is this title? So, 25 is the same amount of sense as a quarter as well as 25%. And we're not halfway there. We're only a quarter there to 100. We went with this joke, though? Listen, okay? You give me one less day to prepare. The jokes are just going to be one day worse. Look, all right. Fine. I'll give you this one. One time, John. One time. We're recording this on July 31st on our new recording date that we'll... We're trying out, at least. So that Ian can go play Legacy on Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go play tomorrow, so... There you go. I got to count to ten, man. Got to count to ten. Count to ten as quickly as possible. Or all at once. Yeah, one shot. So we're going to spend a little bit of today talking about uh, the PT-25 25th anniversary Pro Tour that's happening this weekend up in Minneapolis. Um, And then we're going to spend the first part of this talking about some of the Commander 2018 cards that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Yeah, because there was a bunch and we didn't get to talk about it. Yeah, we we also didn't get to talk about the Emanato deck. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It's going to be for, yeah, cause, all right, yeah, because it came out like the day we, after we recorded The day that we published it, yeah. Yeah. So, also, turning our eyes to the community, aside from the fact that the Pro Tour is this weekend, uh, Gen Con is also this weekend, so everyone's really excited about that. Uh, there's because, also- Because the, why, John? Because why? Well, well, A, it's Gen Con, and B, there's the Beta Rochester draft that's happening there. Oh, yeah, this is the, as of right now- what we know, this is the very last scheduled beta draft that will happen. Period. I th- yeah, I think all the rest are unlimited, unless they are, unless all of those have also happened. Even that, too. Like, product-wise, this could be one of the last beta drafts ever. Well, unless we'll see. they, According to... They, according they probably to, have a vault of a whole bunch of stuff so they can pull out for the 50th. Of course. And then, like, the 75th and the 100th or whatever. But anyways, you know... You gotta make it make gotta make sure you get that long but yeah. uh but yeah. so even so it's gonna be great Unf- i don't believe they've announced any plans i know that they were working on them they were working on plans to stream the draft at however worst, at worst what i would expect is if they can't stream it is that they'll record it and put it up later oh but, for sure like i'm pr- i would re- really hope i can actually ask about this yeah um, I'll i'll ask the powers that be that i know Hey, has anything been decided? Can you like at least put it online so people are aware? <laughs> I can poke yeah. the bear on that one. Um, but no, beta draft is gonna be sweet. The last one that happened, what was Chiba was? Well, Chiba was unlimited. Chiba the last unlimited. beta draft was Vegas. Yeah, so this is gonna be fun. Um, It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Hopefully, the beta, this beta draft opens a little bit more power than the first beta draft did. Eh, even if it Although doesn't, beating Chiba is gonna be hard. Oh yeah, Chiba just had so much power; it was ridiculous. Just but. Uh, Lotus and Recall? Oh. Oh. And some Moxon and some Duels. It was good stuff. Um, yep. But one thing else we want to talk about, and this is kind of like the topic du jour right now, is we, we kind of mentioned it back when it first was announced with uh, Sunspeaker and Fireslinger? Uh, Firesong and Sunspeaker. Dang it. You're close. Yeah, close enough. Um, that came out with Dominaria is the buy a box specific promo that you can't open in any packs. Now... 
They did it again in Core 2019 with Nexus of Fate. That's the five blue blue instant. Take an extra turn after this one. If we put in a graveyard from anywhere, reveal it, shuffle it into its owner's library instead. It's an instant. That's a good thing. If this had been uh, Sorcerer Speed, we probably wouldn't even be talking about this card. But because it's an instant, it has just exploded online. Um, the only seller really that I can find selling it as of recording at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the 31st is GoatBots with 10 copies at 48, 48 and a half tickets a piece. So you're looking at shelling out 200 tickets, which is $200 for an entire playset online. In paper, it's about it's a hair under $20 a card. So you're only going to have to spend about 80. But still, this is if this card explodes at the PT and somebody breaks this card, we're looking at a really big crisis on Magic Online where there's just no way to get enough of this card through the um, treasure box system. Yeah, there was one solution that I saw where basically it was suggested by the professor where just give everybody a playset. Well, that's one thing. You could also tie it to purchases. Um, be like, hey, if you buy X amount of product through the Magic Online store, you get a Nexus of Fate promo because they do those promo packs anyway for yeah. the Magic Online However, thing. However, are they going to choose a number that is less than just buying it as a single? Uh, maybe. Yeah, the, yeah I'm that's not sure the case. They would. Yeah, you'd have to like set it at a minimum. I was thinking fifty minimum, which is obviously what it's going for anyway. But at that point, you're just Hey, I'm paying, you're just paying fifty bucks for a with for a Nexus of Fate, and, and then you that get sets the tickets. Well, and that, but that, at that point, you're technically getting a hundred tickets worth of stuff because you know you're getting your fifty dollars worth of product, which is probably just buying tickets, and then you're getting Nexus of Fate on top. Either way, it's a really sticky situation, and unfortunately, we hit the oh god, what's going on with this card now? Uh, problem on card number two. <laughs> so yeah, I'd, there's so many I, ways I also, that they could have made it. They could have fixed it. They could have. Wizards. So, so actually, no, okay. so speaking of um, that, that I did see an article today that went around that was from the mothership. They're working on some treasure box, the treasure chest stuff for the core nineteen or the core nineteen commander twenty eighteen cards that have to get introduced into the system via the treasure chests due to how product cycles are working. There and. They're trying to bump up, you know, basically having the magic online stuff available like before it's even available in paper kind of thing. They haven't been able to sync it properly where these off-cycle um, supplementary products get introduced into in the system properly. So they were saying later this year, which could potentially be December. So we, we might have to wait like four to five months before we see some of these commander cards online, which could be crazy. I know they're working hard as they can to get them online, but they're they're almost hitting a spot where like their product cycle is just going way too fast for them to keep up digitally, which is yeah. a weird spot. But speaking of that, though, people have mentioned this is the one time where the Magic Arena economy actually outshines the Magic Online economy because you can just go spend four of your wild cards on Nexus of Fate and you're good to go. Yeah, and then also they give you one or two. They give you one whenever you buy a specific bundle or two if you buy a bigger bundle yeah so uh, so that's store, so. and that's the kind of thing where like if they were introduced that kind of bundle on magic online that could help alleviate some of this issue but again you have to set the price particularly on magic online as opposed to this and another thing it's is a too, whole weird thing it's, yeah, it's, it's really weird um digital distribution is a hell of a thing that i'm happy i don't have to touch 
with a 10-foot pole. Also, Wizards. Development-wise, that I should say. Just just make the buy a box promos bad. You can make or, them exciting and also bad. Or just, you know, pick a card that's actually openable in the set again. I don't know. Or, it is kind of nice or, to have or if Or if promo. you wanted... So, here's my thing about the buy a box promos. Is that the buy a box promos have done their job and are doing their job. Oh, which is getting people boxes? to buy Heck stores, yeah. buy boxes in the stores. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if that's the goal, then good job. You're yeah. doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. It worked great. But you can make the cards exciting, but also not make them playable and standard. Yeah. That is something that you have the ability to do because you make the game. Exactly. And the Boros, you get to one, dis- yeah, the Boros yeah. one is good for people who want to play Boros spells. In Commander, and, which that's, that's a whole other thing. Only that, people, but that's the only people who are going to really want that card, which is fine. It's great. But when you have something Fire that Song actually... is a little weird. We'll talk about uh, that whole yeah. thing with Fire Song Sunspeaker is a little different. Yeah. It's composed to Nexus of Fate, where it's a card that people looked at and goes, that might be standard playable. And then it, it turns out that it actually might be, and now copies online are 50 bucks a piece. And so... I won't mind me. There's also a little bit of the publicity of the card potentially driving a FOMO. Yeah. Of like, but oh god, like, I, I don't want to miss out on this card. Let me buy it. But it's whatever. I just think that I am going to assume, I don't know if this is correct or not, but I'm going to assume that Wizards at least tested the card in standard and deemed that it was fine. I'm However, curious if this is, is this one of the first sets where like the whole from my understanding, Guilds of Ravnica is going to be the first set that actually had a full... Okay, the whole, um, like, Cheon, the, the full treatment Brown. with play design. Okay. Dominaria was, like, or Rivals of, or Rivals of Ixalan was... Last minute tweaked. Was, was like, ending. Dominaria was kind of towards the end. M19 was kind of in the middle. And then this is the full first time that play design will have their mitts entirely within the set. Okay, that's fine. We'll we'll see how it goes. That I'm excited my, for that's my understanding. Too. Yeah, it's gonna be real exciting. Anyways, let's talk about Commander 2018. Heck yeah! Um, and we'll talk about some of the community stuff at the end of it because there's a lot of these cards that are really sweet, even if they don't play into the themes of one of the decks. Cough the Jun deck. Uh, we're gonna start with Gyrus Waker of Corpses. Uh, it is a X black, red, green, legendary Hydra. It's a zero zero. So that usually means it has some form of text. Uh, Gyrus waker of corpses enters the battlefield with a number of plus one, plus one counters on it equal to the amount of mana spent to cast it. So this is along the lines of, uh, Prosh, Sky Raider of Kerr or Jaleva, where it just gets bigger, the more mana you spend to cast it. I remember ironic- it, yeah. X, to, X is not equal that it's going to be a minimum of three. Yeah, you can you can just play it as a three three mana three three, and then every its commander text just means that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then if you have more mana, you can spend you can just pump it into X. Whenever Gyrus attacks, you may exile target creature card with lesser power from your graveyard. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card that's tapped and attacking. Exile the token at the end of combat. Yes, yeah, so this one is weird in that it's a Hydra that non bows with other Hydras. It does non bow with hi- other Hydras, and it's. A, a, a notable weird. exception, it would be Hydra Broodmaster, because that uh, actually has a power toughness. There's also Colonial Hydra, but that's a whole different thing entirely. Yeah, but most Hydras are usually zero zeros that care, care about the X of what they were put in the, the battlefield with. Yeah. C- casting cost-wise. I don't... I don't hate it. 
My big, so my big concern in Commander is usually that I don't like exiling things from my graveyard, as weird as it sounds, because I want to be able to like regrowth or you know Snapcaster or pick it up in some other way and do it over and over and over again. Well, Jund is yeah, Jund is great for that kind of thing, especially with you know yeah. that's that's what Jund likes to do. Just look at Colagon's command. Exactly. Um, I think the Gyrus is very powerful. Uh, obviously, just look at the card. But it's just one of those things where it's like. It's a really good card. I think it's very powerful. I just don't know how it fits as a commander. Is my it, thing. It honestly fights against a lot of different things that that deck that certain decks want to be doing. You have to really build around this card. Um, that said, yeah. it, it should be cool. I'm sure someone's going to play it and enjoy it. So mm-hmm. not going to yuck anyone's yum. Yeah. Whatever. Speaking of yucking yums, <laughs> and by yucking yums I mean, oh my god, it's a spider. Spooter. Spider. Ian, what does Thanatus the Warweaver do? Thanatus the Warweaver is or a... Or Thantus, excuse Thantus. me. Thantus the Warweaver is a six mana, sets three and a Jund. A 5-5 five, five legendary creature spider with vigilance and reach. It says, all creatures attack each combat if able. That's yours, your opponent's. Everyone's. Your other opponent. All the opponents. All creatures attacking all the time. It's fight time. Anyway... Also, whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, put a plus one plus one counter on Thantis, the Warweaver. So everyone has to attack, but they're disincentivized from attacking you. One of the big things in commander games is that sometimes people don't end the game. And Thantis makes sure the game ends. Yeah, Thantis is like, oh, it's turn 12. All right, let me just sit out here. And, oh, you went wide for five turns and you've got 20 tokens. Congratulations. They're all attacking. Mm-hmm. Pick who they're attacking. Oh, and if you attack me with anything, this guy gets big. Also, Thantis has vigilance. and So that means that, you know, she can block as well as attack. And she has reach because she's a spider. It's a good card. Yep, very powerful. Also, it's red, which means you can play your green red spiders in a, a Jund tribal spider deck. Yeah, it's this something uh, Ishkana couldn't do. Yep. You can still Granted, play Ishkana, because yeah. Ishkana would be great in this. Ishkana would be very good with Thantis, yes. Or just spider spawning, just junspiders.deck. Dude, Jun spiders would be a really fun... Like, if people like spider tribal, there you go. Yeah. Plus, this is just... It's, Jund is the the color of fight. It is the color of fight. Just speaking... Jund him in the face. Jund apply the Jund directly to the forehead. <laughs> Speaking of Jund applying on. the Jund to the forehead, um, Windgrace's Judgment, uh, named after the the titular character as well as the face of the commander deck, is three black-green for a rare instant. Uh, for, for any number of opponents, destroy target non-land permanent that player controls. So it is a... Put- well, not a, it's a Vindicate that doesn't hit lands for all your opponents. And it's a speed for five mana. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's interesting. In multiplayer, it's almost always going to be a two-for-one. A three-for-one, maybe, or four-for-one, depending. And these type of effects are almost always really powerful if you play a lot of political games. Because you're able to kind of, you know, say, hey, I'm going to hit this thing of yours, but I didn't hit your best thing, so I hope you hit, you know, Ian's best thing that's on his board or whatever. The funny part about this is is you can just make an enemy of everyone at the table... (laughs) Yes, <laughs> like, you can. You could be like, all right, guys, I got a card that can get rid of one of everything that everyone has. Who's got the best deal for me in terms of I'll pick something not as good on your board? 
Now I'm going to put go. this in like an Abzan pillow fort deck with like walls or Doran and like ghostly prison. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Good I luck. Mean, it's a great card. Like, yes. Like, this is just. Maelstrom. This isn't going to see. It's, it's not going to. It's not a go wide effect like Maelstrom Pulse, but it does something decently yeah. similar. Like, this isn't going to see play in any other constructed format, I don't imagine. I don't think Legacy is interested in a five mana destroyed permanent. No. Even at instant speed? No. Not it's at just all. Like, it's just like, it's just cool, and it's going to be really good in Commander, and that's where it's going to shine. See, this is this is where cards that are designed for a certain format are good, because bam, there yep. you go. Speaking of, we also have, we, I don't know if we talked about, uh, we did, I don't know if we talked about Kestia uh, last week. She's but cool. Bestow's back. Bestow! Kestia, she's a one in a bant. So one green, white, blue, four, four. Legendary enchantment creature nymph. Uh, with bestow cost of three and a bant, so three green, white, blue. Uh, if you ca- remember, bant reminder text: if you cast this card for its bestow cost, it is an aura spell with enchant creature. It becomes a creature again if it's not attached to that creature. Uh, Ian, I will re- I will go ahead and tell you this because Theros came out like five years ago. I don't think they remember if they were if they haven't been playing in the interim. Dude, blah, I know five I years. Know. Blah. <laughs> I know. Anyway, enchanted. Anyway, when she is an aura, enchanted creature gets plus four, plus four. But she also has more text. Whenever an an enchanted creature or enchantment creature you control attacks, you draw a card. That is every single creature that is enchanted or is an enchantment creature. So get your copies of Enchanted Evening two weeks ago. Yeah. Congratulations, you you missed the boat. But yeah, no, this yeah. card is nuts. Yeah. And so, and for people who haven't played with Bestow. Also, Opalescent says what up. <laughs> also Starfield and Nyx, but that's a whole different thing. Um, so, for those of you who never played with Bestow, here's the TLDR. It works how you want it to work. That's, that's the TLDR. You cast it as a, you cast it as an aura targeting one of your creatures. If that creature goes away somehow, then Kestia comes in as a creature. If Kestia is on a creature, and then the creature dies. Kestia just falls off and becomes becomes a creature again. And that's John, the best way I can describe. Why it is you. that? Because of how state based actions work. Because it enters it enters as an aura targeting. No, no, it's, well, it's on the stack as an aura targeting. And then well, if yeah. the creature's removed, then it just comes in as a creature. Don't worry about it. It just works the way you want it to. It just hits the battlefield, and if it doesn't have anything there to attach to, it's like, oh, well, I'm still here anyway. Usually, yeah. auras would you know you get two for one, but bestow doesn't two for one you. Yep. Which is it nice. It works the way you want it to work. There you go. Anyway, next, Perfect. what we got, John? It's Amanato the Fate Shifter. AKA the uh, creepiest planeswalker ever. The creepiest little girl who you ever did see. She is a three mana planeswalker, Esper, white, blue, or white, blue, black, for a three loyalty planeswalker. She has a plus one, draw a card, then put a card from your hand on top of your library. She has a minus one, that is exile another target permanent you own. Then return it to the battlefield under your control. Uh, notably, this means that if one of your opponents steals one of your permanents, you can just flicker it back to your side. And then her minus six is the most devilishly, uh, most devilish, devilish ultimates I've seen in a while. Choose left or right. Each player gains control of all non-land permanents other than Amanato the Fate Shifter controlled by the ne- next player in the chosen direction. Yeah, that thing is so insane. It's the ultimate change places. It's like, at that point, you might as well just get up. Yep. 
pick up your lands and move. And also just hope that you're not playing, you know, against Amanato. And like, just don't amass a board state if you're sitting next to Amanato. Also, you know what gets really fun at that point? What? <laughs> you might be completely off color. <laughs> well, you keep your lands and then you're drawing from your deck still. But everything yeah, but, else but is still, like, over. you have to, like... Oh, man, I just want to sit next to the Wrist of the Redeemed player, and then just everything gets shifted over to me, and I go, okay, so now I'm playing a Wrist deck. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Make a billion tokens, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so that's how it works. That's, that's gross, still. That's that's yep. weird. Yeah, or you shift the other way, and you get, like, all someone's artifacts and all their artifact ramp and whatever. Yeah, you just go get the Thopter deck. Thop, now... Uh, you could also be evil and play this with Teferi's Protection, so you you minus six Amanato, and then in response to Teferi's Protection, so that you lose nothing, and you just take everything from one player. Ew. And then one player gets shafted. That's that's gross. <laughs> yes, it is evil. Don't be evil. Oh, no, no, be evil. Be very evil. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> next card's next card's really cool. I, I wanted to add it just because it's just so many layers of awesome. In terms yes. of just how deep the flavor went on this card. So it's Yenit, Cryptic Sovereign. Two white, blue, black for a 3-5 legendary creature Sphinx. Yenit has Flying, Vigilance, and Menace. And whenever Yenit, Cryptic Sovereign attacks, reveal the top card of your library. If that card's converted mana cost is odd, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Otherwise, draw a card. So you can't play lands. You can't play lands, but you can literally build your deck around making sure that everything in your deck is odd. Yeah, and you that's can do that. just so crazy. Uh, Void Winnower. I mean, obviously, literally can't even at that point. No one can, not even yourself. Which is fine if you build your deck, you know, to be odd. Yeah, but the reason a Yenit is a, is a huge build around and super cool and super sweet. But kind of the real reason we have Yenit on here is because if everything is odd, then the card has to make sure that that. That said, not just in the mechanics of the card, but also kind of in the aesthetics of the card. And Yenit does it in spades. Three titles, or three, like in the name, there's three parts to it. The casting cost is odd. The power toughness is odd. It has three abilities. Its flavor text is all odd uh, numbered words. There's an odd number of words in the flavor text. By there's the way, all the, all the words in the name are also all odd numbers of letters yeah it's it, it they just went like and the art too by chris ron has like three statues three vases yeah three eyes on yenit three horns on yenit it's just so ridiculous and it's great but yep have fun with it yep yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun john you said yes. not to be evil why did you put this next card here well the thing is is that people like cycles Especially cycles that weren't meant to be cycles, but then people were like, "Oh, all this stuff is cool," and then people, and then was just like, "Yeah, you know what? That's actually kind of cool." Fine, so now we have, have a super cycle. So now we have Magus of the Balance. Uh, Magus of the Balance is one in the white for a two-two human wizard with an activated ability of four to white tap and sack Magus of the Balance to balance. For those of you who don't know what that means, each player chooses a number of lands they control equal to the number of lands controlled by the player who controls the fewest, then sacrifices the rest. Then players discard cards and sack creatures this way. Basically, look at the person who has the fewest amount of lands, sack down to that number, do the same for creatures and cards in hand. 
Yeah, and remember, this does not hit Planeswalkers because this was a card before Planeswalkers were invented, so... Well, balance, not Magus of the Balance. Wait, well, it doesn't even hit Artifacts or Enchantments. Yeah, that is true. So you can play an Artifact deck or a Super Friends deck and have this as kind of like your Lowell Gotham against the creature decks. Yep. Magus of the Balance is... It's already efficient body, which is pretty, pretty good. And five mana, depending on what you're trying to do with it, is can be a lot. Like, the reason why balance the card itself is busted and why it's banned a commander is because it's two mana. But, and it's real easy to abuse. So so talking about being evil, you have enough ma- mana, right? So you, you crack the Magus of the Balance, hold priority, then you cast a Fairy's Protection. Yep, that works the way you want it to. Yeah, Except so, for your cards in hand. But Well, but whatever. At this point, at that point, you're probably with enough mana you probably run your hand out anyway anyway teferi's perfection teferi's protection basically phases all of your things out you get zero lands all your creatures like go away yeah everyone everything- sac- so everyone else will sack to zero lands and zero creatures and will discard to however many cards you had in your hand and then you get everything back and yep. your opponents are like well crap <laughs> yep it's, it's just, a dumb card it's great and dumb and stupid and i'm happy it exists Yep. Speaking of dumb and stupid and happy they exist cards, Ian, tell me about the Primordial Mist. So Primordial Mist is ridiculous. I'm probably going to put it into my Animar Commander deck because- As you should. It's a four and a blue enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, you may manifest the top card of your library. It's For that, it's put it put it on the battlefield face down as a 2-2 creature. Turn it face up for any time for its mana cost if it's a creature card. It also says, exile a face-down permanent you control face-up. You may play that card this turn. You may pay, still pay its cost. Timing rules still apply. So if you somehow managed to, you know, flip over... So I play Sylvan Library in the deck, for instance. Say if I manifest Sylvan Library. I can exile Sylvan Library to this ability, and then I exile it face-up, and then bam, I can play it on my first yep. or second main. So it gets around the whole downside of Manifest. Or you can just keep it as a 2-2 if you need it to be a 2-2. Yeah, and why would I play this in Animar? It's not technically casting it. There is Ixodron. Yep. Plus also, most of the cards in that deck are morphs anyway, so they're designed to flip over <laughs> and get some abilities. So you're literally just, if you hit a creature, the creature says morph on it. So you can just flip it over for value. Yep. I think there's like maybe a couple that aren't, like Eternal Witness. But even then, if but you, even then, you I can manifest exi- them. Yeah, then you I can just ex- manifest yeah, and flip yeah. up anyways. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's great, and I love the damn card. And it's yep. getting right in the deck because yeah. it's like when I saw that field, I like actually mess like added Vinny, who is a uh, yeah the person who created the deck, and I'm like, Vinny, does this get in? He's like, Yeah, we're probably taking out um, recurring insight <laughs> for this one. And I'm like, That's perfectly fine because recurring insight was weird anyway. It's a rebound card. You draw. It's like six. It's like four blue blue draw cards equal to the number of cards in the player who has the most cards in their hand or something like that and is it like four blue 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 it's six or seven mana it's it's a dumb cost primordial mist works bet like it's there mainly as like to just draw cards after you've run a whole bunch of your cards out of your hand into animar this one just works is like all right cool i'm getting what i need anyway for the deck let's go yeah so for the next card and the next card and kind of with this card, uh, one of the criticisms for Commander 2018 has been the fact that there wasn't a new mechanic, that there wasn't a new kind of Commander Matters mechanic. 
like lieutenant, like we see here in a cycle of uncommons or the, the experience counters or whatever. But I think they made up for that by making a lot of cards, new cards that use old mechanics like primordial mists with manifest and a few others that we're going to get to. Like, for example, entreat the dead, which is the only black miracle we now have. It is XXBBB, so three black mana at minimum. Well, five mana at minimum. It's a sorcery, and it says return X target creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So that's it scales pretty well depending on how much you're paying to get a creature back, and then it scales up. And this kind of works with the normal costs for reanimation in modern magic. You know, Rise from the Grave costs five mana to get one creature. That's pretty standard. But it has a miracle cost of X black black. And for those of you who never played with Miracle, uh, if this card is the first card you've drawn in a, in a turn, you may cast it for its miracle cost. But it has to be the first card you've drawn. Yeah. Now, also, what's kind of interesting about this, too, is you can still rip this out of your opponent's hand while the miracle trigger is on the stack if you have that kind of discard effect. Which there are many at instant speed, but yes. No, it's just it's, it's a legacy thing that comes up from time to time. How much? Never mind. Anyways. Um, so it, it basic terminus. There's ways to stop terminus. That's true. Uh, but now as like one mana, as three mana, as four mana, as five mana, it's way more efficient to get a bunch of creatures out of your graveyard if you miracle this and treat the dead. And yes, miracle will ignore uh, timing restrictions. So if you draw this on an opponent's turn, you can still miracle it and still get a lot of value off of it. It's a very powerful effect. Um, I think it, they could have they could have costed it a little bit less, uh, but I guess but I understand that they didn't want to necessarily make it a new kind of legacy staple. Yeah, that would just, easily that would, just that would hyperpower dredge. Like that's the last thing we need is just dredge getting a stupid <laughs> miracle card. Well, dredge doesn't really make mana though. Uh, whatever. Also, would... I will admit that it yeah it does also kind of dovetail nicely with entreat the angels, which is xx white 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 with miracle of x white white which creates uh x four four white angels it's a so mirror. yeah I'll, I'll i'll give him that one so we're speaking of returning mechanics knight incarnate four and a black three four creature elemental with death touch uh when knight incarnate leaves the battlefield all creatures get minus three minus three until end of turn now what mechanics coming back it's evoke three and a black for evoke you may cast a spell for its evoke cost if you do sacrifice it when it enters the battlefield so you can play it as a 5-mana 3-4 Death Toucher, or you can play it as a 3 and a black, everything gets minus 3, minus 3. Yeah. So I put this card on the list, mainly because, not just because of bringing back Evoke, which is a really cool mechanic that Wizards, I think, is thinking about at some on some level, because it was very popular. Just look at Muldrifter and how many times it's been reprinted. But this card's a really neat package where you can, you know, if your opponent is attacking with a bunch of, of things, you can trade off your Knight Incarnate and then nuke the board afterwards. Or if you're in a pinch, you can just evoke it. Uh, but I'm thinking about this one as far as a cube card is concerned. Uh, because there weren't very many cards that I saw in this batch of Commander products that were directly aimed at cube. Uh, one of them was Treasure Nabber, which I don't think we really mentioned we didn't talk about, but we can talk about him real quick here in a sec. Uh, but Knight Incarnate is kind of fills a void of uh, five mana cards in black. Also, the fact that it's four in a black and not like three black black and its evoke is three in a black makes it a lot more appetizing 
for cubes to consider. So that's part of the reason why I put it on here. Which is great. Yep. Speaking of Treasure Nabber, because I don't think we talked about him last time. No. Let's just touch him briefly and then we'll go yeah. on to the last card before we yeah, move tre- on. Yeah, Treasure Nabber uh, is two and a red for a 3-2 Goblin Rogue, which is mediocre stats at best. Uh, but whenever an opponent taps an artifact for mana, gain control of that artifact until the end of your next turn. With some of the best flavor text you'll ever see, the law of Givesies Backsies is respected by every noble pursuer of shiny things. Like, I haven't really dug fully into the art for this, but Treasure Nabber is literally holding a soul ring. So we actually have an actual scale size as to the like soul ring from the commander sets. There's also yep. a whole bunch of other artifacts in the background. It looks like they've got a couple like looks like there's a mox or at least amulets and stuff on their yeah. backpack. Yeah, Treasure Nabber um, appears to be kind of looks like something that's gonna be bonkers and something like um cube. <laughs> like vintage cubes specifically. Oh yeah. Um like you made those mana rocks? I made those mana rocks. And then in Commander, it's going to be even more ridiculous because uh, Artifact Mana is very popular in the format for good reason because it's a big mana format. Yeah. And Treasure Nabber is, well, it's, it's a goblin. So, you know, Travel plus strategies. There. And then it also is just something that people are going to be real annoyed by. Or you play Micah Synth Lattice and then all their lands are artifacts. So when they tap their lands, you suddenly get all their lands. You're the worst. <laughs> Sometimes. The worst sometimes anyways so one more one more returning mechanic we see the return of ninjutsu john what does yuriko the tiger shadow do yuriko uh the tiger's shadow is one blue black for a one three human ninja she reads whenever a ninja you control deals combat damage to a player reveal the top card of each of your library put that card into your hand and each opponent loses life equal to that card's converted mana cost yuriko bobs very correctly in this case oh yeah it's it's one of those it's like ooh yeah but Yuriko has Commander Ninjutsu for blue-black. So Ninjutsu, for those of you who never played during Kamigawa, is a fairly straightforward mechanic. It's an activated ability. It's not a casting cost, so you can't counter Yuriko. And also Commander Ninjutsu gets around commander attacks because you're not casting her. Um, but, but you can stifle it. You can stifle it, yes. Or disallow it, whatever. But so Ninjutsu and means that if you have an unblocked attacker, you can pay the ninjutsu cost and return that attacker to your hand to put the ninja, because all all ninjas have ninjutsu, into play. Yeah, this usually comes into play mostly with Ninja the Deep Hours in Pauper, which is very popular in the mono blue. Also reprinted in the deck. Yeah. Um, But you can ninjutsu Yuriko from the command zone. Yep. And And she's also ninja tribal. And... John, does this hit get hit? Does Commander Ninjutsu get hit with the Commander Tax? It doesn't. I just said that. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's so it's ridiculous. Granted, she's only a 1 3, so she's very fragile, but she connects once or twice, and if you have the right you know, cards on top of your library, you can start really hurting your opponents. Yeah, it's like a. What's it called? Oh, man. Soren. It's. Yeah, uh, Soren. Yeah, Soren uh, Grim Nemesis' ability, yeah. Yeah, we just pop people in the face. So it's on top. Bam. Yep. Dome you. So Yuriko is going to be really sweet for people who want to play Tribal Ninjas in Commander because she's finally a ninja with ninjutsu that doesn't care that she's in the command zone. Because that's been the biggest issue with uh, legendary ninjas that have ninjutsu is that you can't ninjutsu them from the command zone. Downside, your opponents will know when Yuriko's coming, but 
upside. I mean, it's it's one of those you're holding like you basically like I'm gonna get you. You better have a blocker. I'm gonna get uh, you. I'm gonna get you. And that's why you play like unblockables and evasive creatures and or all things that with, fun stuff. or things with death touch. Yeah, that too. That I mean, you, too. you have a little one one death toucher going in, rumbling in the yeah. in the zone. You're like, you gonna you gonna block it? Yeah. All right. Anyways. Anyway, that's enough about commander. It's interesting. There's a lot of talk about it. We're not going to delve into the whole financial side of the decks are good or the decks bad. And Here, here's my one sentence. Here's my one sentence summary. All right. After looking through the card image gallery, there are a lot of reprints that I was happy to see, despite the fact that not many of them have high financial value. Yeah, like we got good stuff. We didn't get like the value people were hoping. And you know that what? said, that said, I understand everyone's consternation with they up the price of the decks, and yet the the resale value, which is never a reason why you should buy a commander deck in any reason. Uh, was down but yeah it's we can move on yeah it's it's fun it, it's it's a welcome addition to the the family so yeah anyway but the fun thing that's happening this weekend pro tour 25 it's not the 25th pro tour it's the 25th pro- anniversary pro tour correct and john for- and- format so the format is like that that comic of the dog where it's like um throw no take only throw um, it is uh, no limited. It's only constructed. It is going to be team trios or team unified constructed. You will have one person playing standard, one person playing modern, and one person playing legacy. And you can have multiples of the same card across formats. That will yes. probably mostly affect modern and legacy. Very rarely would even hit standard in this yeah, one. Yeah, like fetch lands. I can't think of any cards in standard currently that are like seeing massive play. To oh, fairy. fatal. Fatal push, Teferi and Teferi. Fatal push. Yeah, those would be the big, the big offenders there. Uh, maybe a few Kaladesh cards, but regardless, um, instead of sixteen rounds of Swiss, there's going to be fourteen rounds of Swiss. Uh, seven rounds on day one and seven rounds on day two, which again take up so, Friday and Saturday. So, oh, let's just let's go through the whole schedule. So for sure, there's the Silver Showcase draft, which is the I don't we know didn't really talk point. about it, but it's the 150k. Um, Pry or tournament that they were having that's half magic pros, half people with large internet followings that aren't necessarily magic pros, but used to be. Um, and then they're going to do a uh, weird kind of like chaosy draft of old packs in Rochester. So they're going to stream that on Thursday. Yeah. So we get uh, basically three packs of limited, uh, basically the draft legends and like antiquities, Arabian Nights, and other kinds of crazy. It's weird. It's old packs. Just we'll have a link to the the rich article. Rich did an article for the 25th anniversary preview. It'll have all that kind of text about it. We're not going to cover too much. But Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern is the draft, and they also have the preview show they like to do, which actually is not a bad little show. Friday, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, and I think it's like 2 p.m. like UDT. Yeah, 2 p.m. UDT sounds correct. So, like, yeah, 2 p.m. and, like, whatever the heck. Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah, to U- UTC. Yeah, there we Universal go. Time. Anyway, uh, that's day one, rounds one through seven. And then when that's finished, we get the Silver Showcase quarterfinal match. So, basically, they draft on Thursday. They play the quarters on Friday. Sure. 
Saturday, same time, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. UTC. Day two, rounds eight through 14, and then the showcase semifinals. Also, uh, because this is a team event, they're going to do a cut to top four instead of a cut to top eight. So people are going to be the teams that are going to make the the top four are going to be the best of the best. Pretty much, you're going to be hard pressed to find someone or to find a team that's going to get lucky. Uh, we'll talk about the teams in just a little bit, but there's there's the off chance like you're it's you're going to have maybe one team that could be somebody coming out of nowhere. It's probably not going to be a nobody team. It like to put it in like another perspective, a mid level. Um, it might be like a li- mid level like team of gold pros and stuff that might make it in. Yeah. Like to put it in another perspective, remember that uh for the uh RPTQ recap episode, I went I was on a I was on fire. I went 7 and 0 and yet as a team we went 4 and 3 because you know certain cards certain times we didn't have the the decks fall our way. So, it you know, you can have one person who's on a heater but we'll talk about we'll, of, we'll yeah. finish the schedule quickly and we'll talk we'll delve yeah. into the whole team aspect. So, Sunday, same times. 10, 7 a.m., 10 a.m., 2 p.m. The showcase final is going first. When the showcase finals finished, we will then go to the semifinals and the finals. Because again, top four, we go straight to the semifinals. We skip the quarterfinals of the Pro Tour. So we have a final, semifinal, and a final. So you're going to get a lot of like everything's on the line magic here. Yep. But anyway, so with the teams, John, again, sorry to cut you off there, but go no, back no. to what is entails with like the heaters and stuff like that because you know you could have like the perfect deck for legacy but say you just completely metagamed wrong in standard you're really hoping that your modern seat can pick up the slack yeah it's it's just one of those things where you know it really is dependent on your team so when people look at kind of the results from the team events in the past you don't often see people who are just kind of like randoms that you've never heard of on the pro scene you know top eighting or winning uh a, a team gp okay. or top four or winning a team gp because playing in those type of events favors the players who have a lot of those reps who are very good at, at the game and the thing is those players are going to play with other players who are almost as equally good as them if not better so because what, yeah. yeah just like look at our we on our little on our show notes we have a few teams outlined like well, before we get, before, before oh, we get to that, yeah, before we get to that though, I just want to say like you're speaking like these teams and the skill level and stuff like that. There are people who like qualified silver and gold, like qualified for this PT. They found out they were qualifying like this week and last week. Yeah, which like, is not hey, a lot. Of I'm cute for the I'm cute for the pro tour. I need a team, and everyone's just like, "Good luck." <laughs> like, hope Basically. you've been. Like I've been seeing people like, "Hey, I'm a pro tour guy." Like people are signal boosting each other, which is great in the community. But it's like, "Hey, I'm a sync. I'm a modern and standard specialist. I won't play legacy. I can't play legacy." Or people are like, "Hey, look, I'm a legacy and modern aficionado." So like, hopefully, people can scrounge together teams and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll but see. the reason, the thing is, is like somebody trying to scrounge together a team at the very last minute would make for a hell of a story. It would, but. but- you're not you're not going to be LSV, Paulo Vitor, Domodorosa, and Mike Sigris. Yeah, and that's Team Channel Fireball. They are currently sitting. There's a, so also one thing that has to be brought up is the team series is still going on as well. Now remember, teams are made up of six players, and they usually would count the top five results of each of the teams. However, with this being a team pro tour where you have three people, each team is splitting up into two, so they're yeah. going to count both of those points. It's going to be crazy. 
Um, right now, Ultimate Guard, which is Andrew Cunio, John Finkel, Paul Rietzel. That's one team of three. Reed Duke, William Jensen, Owen Turntwald, the Peach Garden Oath. Those guys have a 28-point lead in the standings over Team Harry Latin right now. It's going to be yeah. hard to catch up, mm. but first place gets 60 points towards this competition. Second place gets 54 points. There are teams down to seventh place, which is LSV, PVDDR, and Siggy. They are sitting at a long shot if they hit first place and hope that Ultimate Guard does not make a single thing and every other team above them does not do better. Basically, they have a chance at first as long as every other team above them just doesn't place. And even yep. then, they'll only jump into over Ultimate Guard by two points. Yeah. Which is crazy. But they have a chance to like bump up to maybe second or third place. Um, mm-hmm. Potentially, I think it's top four teams now. Yeah, it's top four. That go to Vegas. For yes. The fun- yeah, so they can get into the top four because right now fourth place is Muashi with 112 points. So they're within striking range of that. They just have to hope that no other team between them does well. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, the the other team for Channel Fireball is Martin Yuzza, Ben Stark, Josser Layton. So pretty good, pe- pretty good players there too. But everybody, like this is all of that 25th uh, preview article that we have in the show yeah. notes. If you want to take a look at it and read along. The other team uh, of mention is Nas Party and Sam Black. Uh, Matt Nas is most likely going to be playing Modern, and he's probably going to be playing KCI because Clark Clan Ironworks is a fair Magic deck? Question mark. I mean, eggs. That's all I'm going to say. Whether or not the deck gets banned is none of my concern. We had a little bit of a discussion in our local Discord about it. Um, people were wondering if they would ban KCI, they would ban Mox Opal, or if they would ban Ancient Stirrings. I think, honestly, um, of that, KCI should be, like, of the deck, KCI should be the card to go. Getting rid of Ancient Stirrings or Mox Opal, yeah, those enable the combo and help select better, but what, I was listening to one of the podcasts, I think it was Gant, the game podcast this week, um, they were talking about how it would just literally cut the legs out from underneath three or four other top tier decks that cost over a thousand dollars. Yeah. And yeah, while they don't look at the secondary market, modern is a format where you buy into a deck. Yeah. You can get reps with the deck, learn your deck. So you can cut in the leg out from what is it? Lantern control, Tron. Um, for what it's worth, I think Tron could survive the banning of ancient stirrings. Yeah. But yeah. But I'm, I'm talking like Lantern Control loses Mox Opal and that yeah. potentially. Yeah, I think uh, that I think like banning Opal kills a lot of other decks as well. But it it really it seriously depowers Affinity as well. The question is whether or not you're okay with there being splash damage. Yeah, and that's where that's why like you just take out KCI and you kill that deck. Period. Yeah, that's the well, only like that's that's the argument for just taking out KCI as opposed to the other ones. But we're not going to get in the bannings right now. No. Um, there's some other really crazy teams like I mentioned Muashi. Like that's Ken Yukihiro, Kentaro Yamamoto, Shoto Yasuoka as one team. Like that's a lot of collective pro points and a lot of Hall of Famers on one team. It's yeah. nuts. It's um, crazy. Yuki Ichikawa, Yuyu Watanabe, and Turi Kakume as the other three. Like they're still going to do. <laughs> there's a reason they're on that team. They're good. Yep. Um, Genesis looks strong. Nelson, BBD, or yeah, BBD, Seth Manfield, and you got Corey Baumeister, Lucas Bohan, Martin Mueller is the other team. Like, that's a good one, too. Like, all these teams are going to look good. Oh, they're, and they're, the, the big thing is, is the cream rises. Yeah. The cream rises to the top, and 
I don't think this is going to be a, an instance where you're going to see someone who's a gold pro or you know a team of gold pros or even the like odds, a team of silver pros. Just yeah, the odds make are. It. I don't think we're going to get a Wyatt Darby. No. Yeah, the odds are you look at these eight teams because two are tied for seventh place. Look at these eight teams and these 16 teams that are comprised within these top eight teams for competing for this team series. I said team way too many times there. Jeez, magic, come on. Anyway, um, it, you're going to get these guys. And the real question is, who, the, I think the fun thing is going to be who's going to play what format. Yep. I, like, I know. I'm, I can, pretty sure I L, think, I'm pretty sure LSV um, plays Legacy. Yeah, I think it's LSV's on Legacy. I think P- Paulo's on Modern. I think Siggy's on Standard. No clue about PGO. No clue. Uh, they can, I think Reed, you can little, you I think Reed plays Legacy. Fine. I'm pretty sure Reed will play Legacy. That's defensible. And then, but again, I could Owen could play Legacy too. He won back to back Legacy GPs like several years ago. That is true. Um, and then Huey just has been playing Magic forever. He could play Legacy. I mean, Finkel could play Legacy. Finkel yeah. could play like any format and still like destroy people. Yeah, it, some of these teams is just going to be like okay. So I will say there are some people here. So uh, Andre Mangucci on uh, Collected Connected Company, the third place team. He's he's going to be playing Legacy. Well, he also just put up an infect video to. Uh, I know he today. did. He went. He went o three <laughs> with it, and womp womp. Well, I didn't watch all of it, but yeah, there were some serious misplays. He brought in a submerge against an opponent that wasn't even playing forests. It's like, mm. yeah, that you're paying five mana for that card at that point. That's the it's whole point of it. The whole point of it is to just get it for free. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. There's looking down the list. There's like some players like you know for a fact that like Brad Nelson's going to play standard. Yeah, I mean. It's Brad Although, Nelson. I, to be fair, I, I could see Brad playing Legacy. He, he's he's been a grinder on the SG circuit long enough that he has a Legacy deck. But I think he'd Seth, be, com- he'd be over, confident over, with over BBD or Seth though. Uh, I, I don't see, know. I could see BBD playing Legacy. Seth I could see BBD, modern, but, yeah, and Brad, Brad playing standard. Yeah, I could see um, that too. But it's, again, it's, this is all just speculation. We'll see when the Pro Tour starts this weekend. Uh, by the way, we want to go ahead and give a hats off to the coverage team. Uh, for the Pro Tour. Uh, at the news desk, we've got Maria, BDM, and Rich, per the usual, which Maria has been knocking it out of the park uh, when she's been on the news desk. So. Dude, she's been cru- she's Ever since they added her to the full-time lineup, and even like when she does play-by-play or analysis in the booth um, during GPs, like, she's killing it. I'm so happy for her. Yep. Like, I, like, I know I keep saying, like, I go, you know, humble brags, I go back to them right at, at uh, what's it? It was at GP Vegas 2015, like her and Megan just like catching a cab with them. Didn't know who the heck they were. They were just taking off at that point to see where they are now. I could not be happier for those girls because Megan's on the team. So we'll talk about in a second, but play by play. Who is it? Uh, It's Marshall, Tim and Riley. Everyone's everyone's favorite uh, play by play. Oh my gosh. Riley's going to be great. And Riley is awesome. Pairing up with those two are just two color analysts from what I could pull from this. We've got Paul Cheon and Seaman Gertzen. Yep. which high high level technical players those guys are going to provide excellent analysis um they and, always do and we'll probably get luis when uh, they don't make the top four so if, that's well here's another thing here's here's well, here's the thing i want to kind of bring up is i keep mentioning it every time we mentioned gen con it's within a night's drive or a quick expensive plane flight away if you I, make if you miss day two i would not be surprised if there were some pro if there were some people from the pro tour who have somebody try to get them Gen Con tickets so they can go try and spike uh, a beta draft. Yeah. You get your you get your appearance points for 
the pro tour and then you go rush down to try and draft beta go for it it's possible i wouldn't i, would I wouldn't it. put i would not put it past some people that's LS, lsv is a particular brand of degenerate that i believe he would do something crazy like that if the pr- opportunity presented itself sure that's just my personal like thought on it but anyway that's yeah on text coverage we got corbin uh hustler ray ray rockenshaw again megan wolf from mta we got blake rasmussen and mike rosenberg and the usual camera guy providing the amazing pictures he always does craig gibson will be there so yep this is going to be an interesting pro tour to to kind of watch and observe because it's first time legacy's been on the uh the big stage in a long time uh i think this will be the crescendo and i think people i think Wizards is going to rightfully kind of put these team events kind of on the back burner now that this event is, has go, has about to happen. And so maybe a little bit further down the line, we'll see a little bit more of these team events kind of pop up sporadically. They don't need to be an every time thing now. They don't need to be ramping up to this pro tour. They can just be like a once or twice a year thing. Looking at you, Star City Games. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. I'm just saying like, there's like another three or four. There was a two or three week period where like every other week was a team event. It was like Jesus. I think there's like two more coming up that I I might be attending. I know Philly and there's a Baltimore. I think that are both team. Of course there is. Well, for the rest of the year, basically my major events are looking at modern and legacy, which is why I wanted to go. Which is why we switched the recording dates because I need to jam some legacy. Plus, also modern's on Thursdays, so that's why we picked Tuesday. Plus, it yeah. worked for us. So, but yeah, this is going to be an interesting pro tour. Um, I'm actually going to be in chat for a majority of it because I'm still technically getting my house situated. I have to go into work for some stuff, but at this point, I'm still like getting half on vacation, I'm, half off. No, I'm not even on vacation. Like, I'm actually working, but during the day, like, I'm running back and forth between the house and stuff. So, I'll probably be around not all the time. Uh, That's fair. During the day on Thursday and Friday, or Thursday it ends like after work for me. So, okay. but Friday I'll be in and out throughout the day, be around all day Saturday and Sunday because I got nothing else to do these days. Yeah, so, it'll be fun. I'll see you guys in chat. Yeah, but Speaking I'm looking. I'm looking forward to like. So, briefly touching on some formats real quick. Um, standard is kind of in a you know it's in a place. <laughs> Standard is standard. Uh, if you asked me what I was going to play, I would just be sleeping up red cards because it's what I do best. Yeah. Um, the legacy and well, modern is very wide open right now. Like, I think outside of if you can combine blue white control and Jeskai control, that yep. gets it at like 8% of the meta that we see on, Mad- on MTG Goldfish, like meta pools. Everything else is like three to five percent yeah like infects back at two percent now like what the heck that's crazy um yeah script dragons is a new deck that people like i think it's a flash in the pan but it's cool yeah um grixis death shadow still putting up results humans has kind of like disappeared but it's still good i mean they got a shot in the arm with a militia bugler yep that's a that's a magic card and a half um but legacy, that's going to be the real fun, I think, to watch. Uh, especially since Grixis Delver hasn't fully disappeared yet. People have been jamming Bomac Couriers in there instead of the uh, <laughs> yeah Bomac Courier of all cards <laughs> instead of uh, Deathrite Chaman. So they've gone a little more on the aggro pressure of the life total side of things as 
as opposed to the we're going to play like a good mid-rangey, I can still bash your face in like by turn four kind of game that they used to play. Um, they can, they, they're just more like all out, let's go. Uh, I kind of was building the rug Delver, but everyone I was talking to at SC, at the SCG events was like, you should probably not. Rug Delver's not great. And I'm like, I look around, I'm like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't look amazing. But I have Infect. And there's also a weird Infect, um, that's actually been putting up some, de- actually some results lately, um, between some of the SCG events and some of the competitive leagues. Uh, plus, I've been listening to a lot more strategy podcasts the last couple of weeks, and a lot of them just keep mentioning Infect. It's around. It's It didn't go away. Yeah, Infect's one of those decks, I think, that's always just going to be there, like a persistent cough. <laughs> yeah, but I did find a really cool... Um, you won't find this on Magic Goldfish. You'll have to go to uh, MTG Top 8, because it was from the MKM. It was a Sultai Infect list that's playing two Leovold mm. and some Tainted Strikes. So you can, like... Leovold get him for infect damage. Sweet. It doesn't play any counter spells in the main, which is like really kind of a weird concern for me with, you know, force of will in the format, but whatever. It's kind of like a make him have it, but you don't have protection. You just have hand attack around it. But John, so what, what format are you looking forward to most? I'm looking forward to seeing some fun legacy. I think legacy is going to be the one to watch because it's, it's finally the pros having a reason to try to break legacy. Uh, granted, the banning of Deathrite Shaman and Cataxing Probe hurt that a little bit. So I'm inter- interested to see where players go from there. Oh, yeah, because keep in mind, there were also pro players. Uh, who was it? It was that, uh, Luis Salvato. Yeah, no, it was um, Lucas Blahan. L- yeah. I linked you, the, uh, so we'll put in the show notes, but Lucas Blahan, uh, he put it up about a month ago, but I only just found it on Reddit the other day looking for Infect articles. Basically, he had been preparing for legacy for like a month or two and keeping a journal about it and he was using four color con- he was using like check pile four color control or grixis delver four color delver and gets the deck cut out from under him and all yep. of his training like the last day was on the first and the next day was the day that it banned someone put in the comments journal entry for se- two seven because european they flipped the dates back but for two seven the f word yep expletive (laughs) expletive f word it was uh yeah basically that so uh it should be fun and interesting i i do want to see i think i'm looking forward to seeing how they people handle the miracles and also what the most popular version of stoneforge mystic decks is going to be yeah, um, that's a fair that's a fair thing also stoneblade decks could be anywhere from just blue white to bant to esper um also but, is storm still around uh ant is the popular choice these days they've gone away from uh, the epic storm so tess is not out ant is back sure so that's ad nauseum tendrils um lands which version of lands is going to be around still um i know right now the meta is incredibly hostile to lands from what i've been reading so yep. we'll see if people bring that uh eldrazi stompy is just a elves. pain in the butt yeah elves uh the reanimator decks like black red um, yep. People say black red's better than the blue black version, and apparently you can get turn one. You just can't even like like through before you even have a chance to interact with the deck. They can be like, "Yep, turn one, you lose." Because if they get a chance for the NX out on you, you just literally lose your turn one play, and then by that point they're just like, "Okay," and now I just win. Yep. So GG, well played. Yeah, 
uh, no having decks where like you can literally lose before you even have a chance to play is insane and that's legacy for you yeah that sounds but, about right yeah and then, you know death and taxes is going to be there it's just death and taxes i mean there's only two things in life that are certain death and taxes a so that'll be fun we'll talk about the results next week um I because of the pro tour, I won't be streaming this week. But let's move on to that. So yeah, you guys can so find Ian, yeah. If people wanted to find you on the social medias or Twitch, where would they do so? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at Dixon Ij. That's D I X O N I J. Uh, you guys can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix D I X. You guys will see me in chat for sure during the pro tour. Like I said, because the pro tour is going on and it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, there's no real incentive for me to stream against that because that's just dumb. I would go rather watch, you know, the pro tour personally. I would, I would rather watch the pro tour than play right now anyway. Uh, but I do have my PC set up. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you'll notice that I have three screens now. And that's ready to go. So I'm hoping by next week I'll have streams rolling. So fingers crossed on that one. Hey. Be rolling some legacy for sure. Maybe some yep. modern. Death Shadow, no. in fact. I wanna try I wanna try the legacy Death Shadow. I heard it's not great, but I just want to take it for a leak or two. Probably the the blue black version or the Grixis version? Grixis Death Shadow and Legacy. Okay. I mean why I can not? see it. Yeah. Go for it. But it hurt, like, yeah, it's apparently bad against Rug Delver, which, because... I think that deck's bad against Lightning Bolt. Yeah, you punch yourself in the face too much against Legacy. Yep. But, either way, John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129, that's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. I'm also on Twitch at the same handle. Um, new job has been uh, hell right now, because Oof. we're still doing 12-hour days. So not a lot of time to do other stuff, but I have a day off tomorrow, so that's going to help a little bit and why I can justify being up to being up this late recording a podcast and not having to be up at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Yay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so in two ways. You can find us on Twitter at Eyes in the Mize, or you can shoot us an email at eyesinthemize at gmail.com. We, we would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. Uh, Ian, do you have something to add? No, I was just going to say, hey, just, you know, pop us a line. Let yeah. us know you guys are listening and enjoy it. Um, I know we do get, we have a small cadre of devoted listeners, and we thank you very much for tuning in week to week. Apologize again for all the craziness with my move and everything over the last couple of weeks, but we're back Life on a regular happens. schedule. We're back on a regular schedule. We're happy you're with us. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. Yep. Thank you all so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you all next time. <laughs>